right shin has been bugging me a little bit, but it's not, it's not bad. It's manageable. Yeah. Nice hmm. shin. That's weird. I wonder yeah. how the hell that happened. Yeah. I don't know. Right, so, uh, you do? Uh, interview us, Chris? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, man. This is going to be interesting. Okay, Chris is going to fall asleep in the middle of this. No, He's man, I got yawning. have my first beer in like two months. So I'll, I should be good. All right. So welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and we have a very special edition of the Like a Bigfoot podcast this week because I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, Brady Manriquez, and... Hey the big pink bunny rabbit, Travis Stefan. <laughs> what? That's my professional wrestling nickname. <laughs> no, man, I'm here with the dude who may have taken first place on one of the most impressive feats I've ever seen in my life. Travis Stefan. What? Well, I yeah. definitely didn't take first place. Well, hey, so can I explain my first place real quick? Yeah. Okay, so sure. in college I played rugby, and we did our big Midwestern tournament, and we had lost the first round. And so that meant we that was played on Saturday. So that meant on Sunday we were going to have to play a game, but it was completely pointless at this point. You know what I mean? It was yep. a consolation game. So, of course, being rugby players, everybody went out and had themselves a good time until like 4 or 5 in the morning. And we get to the game at 9, and our best player, Frosty, does, isn't there. He's not there. And so we're like scrambling on the sideline, calling him. Like, where's Frosty? Where's Frosty? And they're like, dude, Frosty was out till like 6 in the morning. <laughs> and so he shows up on the sideline, and he's in probably the worst condition i've ever seen someone be in uh hangover wise he's like barfing and stuff <laughs> on the sideline and coach like frosty you gotta go in and he literally goes from like limping in the game head and hands to catching a kickoff breaking like 10 tackles running all the way around the field for like one minute straight and scoring and then instantly putting his head back in his hands. <laughs> Frosty. So that was number one. So Travis Steffen just looking like an animal running across the finish line in the pouring rain in the complete dark in a sandstorm. Oh my gosh. I think that's number one, man. I think you us- usurped him, usurped him, whatever. That Game of Thrones in, word. In a t- in a t-shirt passed. <laughs> you passed it <laughs> i was uh, i was also in a t-shirt let it be known yes so that's kind Jeez. of the picture i want to paint of tr- the ending of the race for travis and we'll get back there uh so yeah so how are you guys feeling a couple of days later feel good I've, i'm not super sore i think uh my right shin is kind of bugging me a little bit but that's just you know it's, it's manageable Otherwise, I'm good. Yeah, man. What about you, Brady? I had like a little bit of, I had like a little bit of like my left knee was bugging me for a couple of weeks before this race. So it, to be expected, I did as much like rehab as I could on that beforehand, which really helps. But the like day or two afterwards, just little joint stuff like left ankle, left knee, 
were a little tender and then basic muscle soreness but today i'm good like yes. back to the gym today and it's mm-hmm. wednesday dude also congrats guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> you guys did it yeah it was amazing it it was insane it was uh very um i knew it was going to be kind of a stupid decision to try to do it without training really like for any long period of time at all like on, I, what is that on purpose though like you wanted to do it without yeah. any training on purpose like that was yeah. that was part of the plan or is it just i because yeah. it makes sense to me that you just happened to like neglect it for a while and it got like past you but then to consciously see, say no this is really dumb i'm going to consciously be not prepared. <laughs> no, it was it was actually on purpose, and I think it's on a prior podcast. I talked about that with Chris on you know for the 50k that we did. I was actually also not very prepared, and I just got such a cool, like borderline psychedelic experience from being beyond the edge of of. I mean, your body's broken, your mind still works, but it's in this weird survival place. And, you know, I, I, and I finished and then like, I knew that I was still a little bit more prepared this time around because I had been running like to and from work, which is a couple miles. It's nothing major every day, <laughs> but like, uh, oh, sorry. That's you like, know, <laughs> so ridiculous, man. But, dude, can you guys tell me, I want to ask though, like the survival mode though. Yeah. Like that's, I don't think that's even like hyperbole. I think that's like. No, it's real. It's accurate. You get. You yeah. had to have gotten to a place where you really were running on survival instincts, like that kind of base level. The way you looked when you finished. Yeah. I, I'm not really very real. like a person look like that. It was intense. It was very real. It got very real very quick, especially like the last four miles or so when it got dark, and then it started to rain, and I didn't have a coat. And, you know, I was oh basically out of water. Um, there, I didn't really have any more food that I knew of. I turns out I had a little bit yeah. somewhere in my bag still. Um, but I was basically out of everything. And there was, for most of the last four miles, except for, the, like, the last mile-ish, there was nobody around. Like, and so I was wearing the headlamp, and I was just... You got. You just got to figure it out. You got to find something in yourself that's like, I will not just fall over and cry, and like wait for help. You know, I will absolutely get there somehow, even if I have to waddle the whole way. At the end, you know. was it just pure death march? Was it just pure mindless robot, or did you stop every now and then? Read never stopped. Like your bearings never stopped. It was just like never stopped once. The whole time? The whole time, because right. I knew, I like my whole thing was like the whole time. Unless I'm at an aid station, I'm gonna continue to move forward. There's nothing that I'll like. I won't stand still, not for one second, because I know that it'll be so much more difficult to start again. So uphill, downhill, everything was like just constant, even if it was slow. Yeah. But um, but the last part, though, it was funny because, like, even when my mind was breaking and I didn't think I had much left, as soon as it started to rain, there's another gear that you could find where you're like, oh, you're screwed. Like, Caveman and, gear. And it, it's, if it starts, like, raining, I, like, 
I'm in trouble. Like I need to hurry. So I like doubled my pace and, and, you know, had gas in the tank somehow, some way. Were you so ever, it was interesting, did, you, man. did you ever feel fear? Like, especially when it's dark and no one's around and you're in the, you yeah. are in the middle of the desert, man. I mean, granted you see lights in the distance of not, I wouldn't, not even cities, not even towns, but houses no, kind not of better. yeah not city yeah. town that would not be the right word but you see civilization <laughs> yeah, in the distance but you're in the middle of nowhere yeah, like yeah. no one would find you i did feel fear but the fear really was only that i didn't know how much longer i had mm-hmm. and I, I like i didn't know if it was 500 yards or 5 miles at that point um because i thought i knew where I was and then I like turned a corner and there was still I couldn't even see the finish line I'm like where am I I did so, the same exact thing man yeah well there was a hill in the way yeah let's uh let's jump kind of to the beginning because I I want to hear Brady's since Brady's story happened chronologically kind of before yours um so you guys met in Phoenix and then you drove out so can you kind of give me an idea of what the drive was like, like what were the conversations? How how were you feeling about the race? But it was first time being in the desert for me in that kind of scenery. So I was just taking it all in, trying to take a couple pictures here and there, um, and then trying to talk a little bit about just catching up as buddies. But then also <laughs> asking Travis about you know training or anything, like a couple specifics about the course, and then slowly it becomes clear that he's done like almost no research. <laughs> it's like very little prep. And, and I know I'm, I was prepared. Like I, I was, I'm kind of the, I was probably overprepared, overpacked, um, overconsiderate of everything that could have happened. So it was just complete polar opposite sitting in the front seat of this car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Travis, dude, I'm going to be honest. I thought you were, I thought you trained a bit more. And like, no, <laughs> he's shaking his head. <laughs> no, I told you that because I knew that you'd be afraid for me. <laughs> and then you would tell me that, that I, I was making a mistake. <laughs> well, there was a fear. Oh, my God, man. By the end of it, it did set in. When I saw Chris was at, like legitimately concerned at the finish line, and we was considering after having run his 50-mile race, he posed the question at the finish line, Brady, should we start running? in the opposite direction and like running up the path to see if we can meet him. I was like, you want to do that for your 50 mile race? I was like, dude, he doesn't have a coat. He was like, I know. It's like 38 degrees or 40 degrees probably. And super windy. Like I understand the science behind hypothermia and wind plus wetness plus cold is a very bad combination. Yeah, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm sure he was off near help. the fires. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, dude, and honestly, Travis, in my lowest points in the race, I was thinking, I was worrying a bit about you. Just not because I didn't think you could do it, because that never came into mind. But I was like, I'm feeling this bad. Like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> well, well, I mean, like, and I was good. Like, I, I felt pretty good. I was running pretty reliably, like at least three quarters of every mile um, until probably like mile 39-ish. Yeah. Yeah. After the last aid station, 
I think I probably would have ran the first mile and then I, I walked almost the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, it was just like, there was not a whole lot. I maybe maybe every 500 yards, I would run a hundred yards, something like that, but not much, but I honestly, Brady, you're right. Like I didn't know anything about the race going into the race. <laughs> I knew two things at all. I was like, the race is in the desert. It's 50 miles. And at the end of this day, I'm going to have run 50 miles or traveled 50 miles in some way. And that's all. Like that was all I knew. That was the only preparation I had. And then finally you guys made me like read the race guide and well, you looked at the map for the first time, like less than 12 hours before the start of the race. Yeah. It was (laughs) at one point I suggested you bring the map with you. You know, that wasn't a crazy idea. And you're like, what am I going to do with that? (laughs) I'm going to navigate with that. (laughs) like i said something absurd well i've driven with travis in des moines in a city he he had lived in for like three years and we're at my house and he's like we're uh let me put downtown into the gps and i'm like you can look out the window see the big buildings that's downtown just drive towards them (laughs) i just needed i had the the pink ribbons and then i had the blue ribbons and then i had the green ribbons and then i had the pink ribbons that's all i needed that's all i didn't even need the map it was a great course it was very well marked so okay so brady you you were completely prepared um what went into that yeah i like I did a decent, yeah. I, I've been focused on this since I signed up for it six months ago. So um, it was kind of like documented a little bit of my training. But I think the last time you and I talked, after that, I got, um, I was hitting this point where I was running like six miles between six and seven miles a day on the treadmill, and then over the weekends going to a state park and trying to do actual trail running. Um, so I went to. There was one weekend where I ended up going to this one. This is one of the most valuable things I did is I went to Indiana Dunes State Park right on Lake Michigan in Indiana, and it's just all sand. And you're just climbing sand hills. You're climbing sand dunes. You're going in and out of the woods. But it's some of it's like solid ground, but it's mostly running on sand. And that became, I mean, you guys know now how valuable (laughs) that experience would be to, like, know – a little bit about what you're getting into. So I was not shocked by the time I got to the race and I could tell other people were shocked at like how difficult it was to run in sand. Um, so like I, I started going to some state parks um, and did a couple, like my long runs were 10 or 11 miles. And I got a couple of those in. So, but then I did get a little bit of a like runner's knee issue. Cause I was definitely overtrained. Uh, so the lead up a couple of weeks before the actual race, I did very little running and did a whole bunch of strength training for my legs for all, you know, all of the upper muscles in my legs to try to counteract what was going on with my kneecap, did a whole bunch of yoga, a bunch of ab work and a bunch of foam rolling, which foam rolling is so painful, but incredibly good for you. Um, so I wasn't doing a lot of running right beforehand, all because I was worried about my knees holding up. So, uh, I mean, ultimately, my knees are just fine. Like, a little bit of twinge here and there. But, um, and so I, I came into it a little nervous about that, but knowing that I, I had kind of a solid base underneath me, that uh, that distance was going to be fine. I'm going to finish it, no doubt. I just wanted to try to be competitive about it. Like, I kind of, I, I had in mind 
a couple different times where I thought I'd be really happy, um, but where I thought I was going to end up was about the three-hour mark or maybe a little more than three hours. So I was pretty stoked to have um, my time ended up being like two and a half hours. Dude, so I was pretty happy that's, <laughs> seeing that time when I crossed the finish line. That's something to be proud of, man. And uh, it's funny. I was talking to Lindsay today um, as we were going for a walk, and I remember the point in your training where your attitude went from, I hope I'm not last, to I think yeah. I want to compete. And at that point, I just remember I was so excited because, you know, you're going through this weight loss journey, but by saying I want to compete, you're now no longer thinking about weight loss and you're just thinking about becoming faster, which in turn will make you lose weight, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like the weight was just a byproduct of I wanted, I started really looking at my speed, my endurance, and getting like on a treadmill, getting to like, I don't know, the six mile mark earlier than I did the day before and getting competitive with that and then saying, all right, with the remaining five minutes, let's see how fast, let's see if I can just maintain the highest speed I've ever maintained for like the next five, six minutes. Yeah. That man. kind of thing. Yeah, dude. So the morning it's of the race, we, we wake up, we all have nervous poops. We basically destroyed the cabin. Well, well, Poor Lindsay. Real quick, can I say, like, there's a concern Travis and I both had because we knew we're going to be rooming with you and Lindsay and Harper <laughs> and Zoe. Yeah. So we, we know we have this giant race the next day. So we knew. Like, we might not get a lot of sleep. <laughs> There's a chance that all of us together, this could just be, like, a sleepless night. And I knew Travis was concerned about that. Like, <laughs> Travis was concerned but, because last time we slept in a barn loft. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you guys. If Lindsay and the girls weren't there, we would have for sure just been camping or, you know, sleeping in a in a oh, yeah. little hut or something. <laughs> But we we first got there, we pulled into the View Hotel, which is like this amazing hotel cut into the side of a mountain. And we get out of the car that Travis are in, and I'm going to grab our bags. And I go, where did Chris say we were? And he said, cabin five. And so I'm like, okay. And so I start, I'm getting ready to head into the, the View Hotel. I'm, I'm assuming that just means like room five, whatever that is. And Travis is just, he's not moving. I go, what, what's up? I look at him. He's looking down past like the parking lot, a ways away. And goes, dude, do you think he means those cabins down there? And I look, and from where we were, they looked like a like a series of shacks, like broken down shacks, sitting in the distance. And in that moment, we were just like, oh no. <laughs> it ultimately turned out to be like incredible. It was a and, beautiful like, cabin, honestly. Yeah, it was great. But from a distance, we're like, oh, what? we didn't even think we were going to have a working toilet just from what it looked like from the distance. You know, I wasn't actually 100% sure about that either until <laughs> until we pulled in. Because I was like, I called them the week before to make sure we had enough beds. And I didn't ask about toilets because I thought that was a stupid question. But then as we were pulling in, there was all the toilets for the campground. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was, it was... <laughs> exactly what brady described it was like my fear because it literally looked like um you know how our senior year our junior or our senior year i think it was our junior year of high school football and we went to some crappy ymca camp like oh the horrible camp lincoln those yes. terrible bunks that's what i thought we would have 
That's yeah. what I thought we were going to That was the camp where <laughs> someone in my cabin thought they were a genius, and they're like, let's close all the windows and turn the fans on yep. inside the cabin so the cold air stays in. And I was like, that's... That's definitely not how that works, man. <laughs> like, That's bro know, science 101. You do not understand physics. And then if you remember Coach Holler's cabin, he had that thing rigged up with like 27 fans, all like in specific wind tunnel. angles to get the like most wind going through there as possible. <laughs> But yeah, so it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Like, give me some props, man. Come on. No. No, it was great. It was great. It was great. And then the girls slept pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah. Like, we were afraid, though. I wasn't asleep anyway. Anytime anyone was moving, I was already awake. It was just, it was not going to be a, it was a very restful night. Brady's just afraid. He's just afraid that he'll keep people up as a snoring person. Dude, we are so That is out. true. Like, I have a seven-month-old man. I can sleep through anything at this point. And you guys went to bed at like 7.45 or like 8, and my daughter was so confused. She was like, where's was... Uncle Travis and Brady? I know. Pissed. All of a sudden, we flipped the script on her. We were all having fun hanging out. At some point, Travis and I kind of looked at each other like, we should try to get to sleep early. And we just kind of like peaced out and went into our bunks. And she was just like, what happened? <laughs> what? You got glow she, You guys are trying she to She was so pissed. She was she so, so pissed. mad. And then finally you picked her up. I'm like, we're like, just no, going to bed. She's going to bed. She's going to bed. And Lindsay's like, you want me to take her? And you're like, no, she's going to bed. <laughs> yeah, you guys saw the like nine o'clock, like this is my, all of my patience is used up. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but, man. like it, 5 a.m the next day though i got up with you guys and it was all just you know get whatever carbs or whatever breakfast you wanted to get in like in the morning coffee if you wanted it get all your gear test that like kind of step outside like how cold is it yeah it's pretty cold out like but once you got all geared up and <laughs> the requisite pictures taken um walking you guys up Oh, even like the night before, though, too, we did get a chance to see. I don't know if you saw, but there was a uh, drum circle with like actual like Navajo tribe like chants going on. Oh, it was pretty cool. It was really cool. But the morning of, I was hoping someone got a video of that because it was it got me pumped, man. Yeah, I got I got really like into the spirit of it, seeing that. I went, oh man, this is gonna be great. Um, but you guys started out at seven a.m. I was there to like. You had a hand off. Another like smart move. I wouldn't have known this had I not like talked to you ahead of time. But just the the move of bring a crappy sweater that you don't care about to wear to the start line and then shed it right before it starts. And if you if it gets taken, whatever, or have to hand someone to hand it off to. Yeah. Like that was a smart move on your part. Um, but <laughs> right before you were to start, I started to walk down to the top of the trail, and I hear the announcement of. Literally, it's like seconds before the start, and on their broken PA system, they're making an announcement like, there has been a course change, 
you will now, and it's like cutting in and out. They reverse <laughs> the order or something. Yeah. So I know that doesn't mean anything to Travis because he didn't really know where he was going. But like, <laughs> so, and there was a group that ended up going a wrong direction. I don't know if that was the reason behind it or not, but I was like, well, that's, <laughs> that just threw everyone for a loop, I'm sure. Um, that's the thing, man. You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta roll with the punches, you know. Like it's not yeah. gonna, yeah. Especially trail races, man. They're not gonna be perfect. They're not gonna exactly be fifty miles or whatever, you know. You just gotta, you gotta be cool with that because some people freak out where they're like, that fifty k was only twenty nine point eight miles, and I'm like, right. It still was super long, like. <laughs> Yeah. Deal with yeah. it. Yeah. You had to be ready to like change whatever strategy you had going in, given whatever circumstances you're going to face. But um, it was good, though, seeing getting out there. And like, I, the thing I was nervous about is I was just overly <laughs> complicating things. But I was just constantly looking at like what gear to wear. Cause I just didn't want to go out and pick the wrong thing and go out there and just be uncomfortable for the entire race because it's like a mistake and like wearing too much or too little or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if you're going out there with you guys, you get a sense of like, okay, this is what it's like when you start out and the sun's coming up. I'll be all right. Yeah. Um, when I got up there, eventually just start our race, talk to a couple people around the, the fires, but we were getting ready to start. Nobody wanted to be in the front of the group because everyone knew if you're in the front, you're going to end up running faster than you actually intend to. <laughs> and no one wants to be in that. Everyone was just like super hesitant and like wanted to be in the middle of the pack. I was like, I'll be in the front. I don't know. I'll start fast. I don't care. I'm ready to do this thing. So I was in the front of a group when we first started out and definitely started off faster than I wanted, but it was kind of a downhill running through that wildcat trail. You're going downhill, running around different obstacles. That was fun. You could go fast on that and wasn't going to like ruin any kind of pace. Um, but then eventually when people started to pass, I was like, this is a chance to just tell yourself, run your own pace, run your own pace. Don't, be, don't have a problem with people passing it. Um, was that hard? But, I mean, you know, like seeing anyone pass you, like, nah, screw this. I'm going to keep up with this guy. But then, you no, know, I kept with my pace and just try to find my breath. That's my thing. As long as I can find a breath and keep it calm, I'll be all right. So I was pretty self-aware and had a lot of self-control throughout pretty much the entire day. Pretty happy with how I made choices. But um, two and a half miles in, We've spread out a little bit then. We've run, we're getting up like um, kind of in between the east and west mitten. And, you know, at three miles is the first aid station. It's the east mitten aid station. And you're kind of running through these washed out drainages that you could tell, like, if it does rain in the desert, we're basically running where the uh, flash flood would be <laughs> if there was going to be a flash flood, kind of going in and out of that. And you're definitely sinking into the sand a little more than I was expecting, um, but still, okay. It's like a decent amount of rocks. At two and a half miles, though, there's like this flurry of red dust, and there's just <laughs> motion ahead. And I like looked up, and I swear to God, there's a small herd of wild horses running across the path. So, like, I, instantly, I was just like, I put my hands in the air. I was like, woo! like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, everyone behind me started cheering, too. It was awesome. It was like, oh, welcome to the coolest race you'll ever be a part of. Seriously, man. Um, Dude, I, I, I kind of like, I'm kind of feeling bad because you're going to do another race, and I don't know if it's going to be able to live up. 
No, it won't. No, we we woke up to the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But, yeah, there'll be other races that'll be cool for other reasons. Um, for sure. Yeah, of course. The, but wild horses, come on, dude. I got I got to the first aid station three miles in, check in real quick. Other people were just flying by, not checking in, not getting their bibs counted. So they maybe got a DNF. Who knows? But <laughs> um, I real quick realized, like, okay, um, change gear, like take my gloves off, take my headband off. I'm like too warm and started on whatever playlist I had. And I put together a badass run playlist. And, um, at that point, then it started to spread out a little bit, but I did realize like, at that point I realized I'm just under a 10 minute mile pace at that first aid station. And I'm like, I was aware of where I felt and I should not have felt like I was breathing that hard at that point. And that's when I realized the like efficiency of movement through the sand was going to make this just, it's just a higher level of effort uh, to have gone three miles. So I went, okay, I'm going to get tired re- faster than I realized probably out here. So I was still consciously trying to go slow work and keep my breath. Um, eventually though, we like the sand hill started like shortly after that. And there's like a big climb. And that was when I kind of like the, my time at Indiana Dunes State Park seriously came into play. I was able to run past a lot of people up the hills. Because um, I wasn't, you know, I needed to, like, take these little baby steps rather than these long, like, charging hiking steps that other people were trying to take. And um, about, I think, like, six miles in, there was just a table with a jug of water. That's all there was. <laughs> so a bunch of people stopped there. And I was like, oh, this is a surprise. None of us knew this was going to be here. Like, a bunch of people stopped to get water. Because this was just after a series of climbs, and everyone was, like, dead tired. So I thought that was going to be a good chance. I still had breath, so I was like, oh, it'll be a good chance to pull away from a big group. And, like, the next area was definitely my favorite area. You kind of get up around um, that Sentinel Mesa. They're towering above you on the left side, and then on the right, you're kind of running around this cliff where there's like this expansive, dropped-out bowl of just kind of like empty area to your right, where it's a little like you don't want to get too close to the edge. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking kind about. Kind of incredible to start running around that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So like, I I'm, I'm just approximating that's around six miles in, somewhere around there. And that whole next area was like my favorite area because you running downhill, weaving in and out of the rocks, going fast. Like I felt like I was going fast. I pulled away from everyone behind me. I caught a bunch of groups ahead of me and passed a bunch of groups ahead of me. And I was basically trying to go as fast as I could um, within, you know, without falling because <laughs> it was crazy. But that was one of those like, man, this is, I had a couple of moments where I realized like, dude, look where you are. This is amazing. Like, look where, look around real quick. I tried to do that as best I could, but I was pretty focused on as good a time as I could put together for the whole race. Um, like, shortly after that section is when the steep sand hill climb start. And I think, like, I think around mile eight is where I hit a wall, like a noticeable wall where I was like <laughs> every single hill. It started to wear on me, and I could feel my body, like, gear down. So I only brought one goo with me, and I've never tried it. I never tried one during training, so I was like, well, oh, I'll open and eat this for the first time. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> but um, I could feel disgusting. it work. 
It's gross. It's definitely just like swallowing a strawberry flavored booger. It was gross. Like, <laughs> uh, but it worked. I could feel my body like had something to burn, but it was pretty short lived. Like you're burning through calories out there. But the next areas were challenging. Um, and so I know, though, that there's a second aid station. There's a second aid station at mile 10. At mile 10, and for me, my longest run so far has been like 10, 11 miles. And I knew I kind of hit a wall around 8 or 9. So I'm like, okay, I can get to this aid station, get a little bit of something in, in me for energy, a like Gatorade or something, and I'll know I have a 5K left, and I'll just kind of leave it all out there for a 5K and just get as good a time as I can. So I, I wasn't really checking the clock until about then when I thought I'm going to start approaching the second aid station. And I'm looking at my time. I'm like, oh, this is going to be – I gotta just. I gotta. I think I'm doing okay, but um, I gotta get moving. There's a giant, like, 400 foot sand dune that you talked about that was a soul crusher for a little while there. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I think you described the other day, just these series of small sand hills that just We're, over went on forever. Over. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I you know doing those, and they're not that bad but eventually it just saps it just saps your energy and you're not moving very fast and then but you know i'm still basically trying to run as much as i can i really wasn't doing that much walking so i was happy about that still able to pass some people and eventually like <laughs> like where's the aid station oh god i'm looking at the time like man i still am not at the aid station i have a 5k left after this thing like i i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be anywhere near where i want for my time and um, so I started to see in the distance, we're coming around this mesa. Basically, you know, you come around the Sentinel Mesa, this giant, like it looks like a flat top haircut raised up out of the sand, <laughs> like <laughs> the Urkel cut. Eventually, this, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The start finish line is going to be somewhere beyond that. And I start coming around. And I get, I get, uh, I see a series of buildings that I somehow look at and see. Oh, that's the View Hotel, and there's our cabins. And I like threw up my hands, going, "Woo!" And a bunch of people do the same things. They saw the same thing I saw. And then we realized that wasn't it. <laughs> that was just like a false. It was some other little like grouping of buildings in some way down the way that was not our start finish line. But eventually. They start coming around, and I, I caught up to this girl that was ahead of me. She was struggling. I asked her if she wanted any of my water, and she's like, where is this second aid station? And there just happened to be a volunteer standing there. We haven't seen – there isn't any volunteers in the course at this point for a long time. Um, it was tough. Uh, but the volunteer was like, oh, you only, you're only about a mile out. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I'm like, oh, my God. I just changed everything that I thought. I still, I still thought we had to. So, which means one, no second aid station that any of us thought was going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so, that girl was pissed. <laughs> she was so mad. She was so over it. She just like threw a little tantrum. And I thought I heard that, and I was like, "That's great news." <laughs> like, <laughs> I was super pumped. Just so, like I then knowing that I have a mile left, I was like, "Whatever you got left, whatever energy you were saving, uh, use it now." Like use whatever thing, everything you got now for the end. Um, then I told Lindsay, 
He's like, when do you think you're going to be down? I'm like, oh, dude, I would be so happy with two and a half hours. But it's probably going to be three because of all the fans, and it could be over three. So, like, luckily, Lindsay just happened to look out the window of the cabin and see that I'm coming and just, like, ran out there with, uh, with her phone. And somehow ended up, like, she documented the entire day perfectly. <laughs> she did a great job, uh-huh. man. Like, I'm so glad that yeah. she did that because I've been spending the last couple of days just looking at all our cool pictures. And, you know, it's funny. Like, it already seems so long ago, but it was just three days ago <laughs> or four days ago. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was awesome. She got a video of me running in, like, the kind of home stretch, which was actually... At that point, then, I was in uncharted territory. That was the furthest I'd ever run in my life. How did you feel? My legs were heavy. <laughs> my legs were heavy, and I wasn't picking my feet up very high. But, like, at that point, it was just it was kind of robot mode. Just keep going. But I was pretty happy to cross the finish line and see 233.56. And know that I was, like, I, you know, not a lot of people passed me. I passed a lot of people, and... Yeah, I got like a little emotional at the end because that is the culmination of a ton of work, a ton of time, um, literally like a year to the day after I started running. Like Easter 2016 is the first week I even tried running. It went from walking every day to actually trying to run. So it was, yeah, all of that came up at the end. It was awesome. That's awesome. And what did you think? So I know Lindsay organized something really special for you uh, at the oh finish. Oh, my gosh. Killed me. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay hands me, like, this little paper bag, and in it are all these cards from, like, friends and family that wrote letters of encouragement, like, handwritten letters. Oh, my God. I didn't read it. I didn't, like, I, I didn't know what was in there, but, oh, she killed me again. Just added another, like, you're trying to make me cry right now, aren't you? Our goal was <laughs> to make you cry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll admit I did shed a tear in the airport later when I was going through reading them and I had a chance to like decompress from the week and wait for a flight. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was really special to see that everyone kind of like people that actually took time to write everything. That was really nice. Well, I mean, so like without going into specifics of what was kind of the sentiment of, of the letters. Like proud of you, proud of what you're doing, like all the perseverance and hard work. I'm sure it couldn't have been easy. Like way to go. You you set out a, to accomplish a goal and did it was really cool that's awesome man yeah dude i was so pumped we were getting them in the mail for like the last month and i was just so excited to be able to give them to you and then one of your aunts and uncles <laughs> one of them sent you sent you the card and you're like thanks yeah wait so you're you posted something on facebook that was like yeah and special thanks to aunt whoever and uncle blah 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 <laughs> for sending me a handwritten note and i was like god dang it it was still special it was still special to receive a handwritten note i didn't like i mean after the fact you end up realizing oh okay <laughs> I, I see now but no it was still great it was still like uh definitely like receiving encouragement anytime was cool I, I was expecting someone to comment underneath that just saying like did you get mine too and i was like oh man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. No, no, I was I was thoroughly surprised. It was very like very cool, super thoughtful. Well, I mean, dude, you should be so unbelievably proud and I mean you're 
one of the more inspiring people we've had on the podcast. I'm going to say that right now. Sorry, Travis. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's shrugging. Hey, man, why are you going to push someone down and while you bring someone else No, down? so is Travis. Everybody is in their own ways, but like just your story. Everybody is evenly as, as inspiring. Equally no as inspiring. Everybody is amazing. Anybody else. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, man? Like just, I don't know, man. Going from being relatively inactive to running a half marathon in the desert. Like, come on, dude. It doesn't get much more inspiring than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, 50 K like, 50, 50 in the desert next time. Then, then <laughs> yeah, more, yeah, I was gonna say, more inspiring. It does get more because there's bigger distances to do. Well, I was going to use other examples. I was using that as a segue <laughs> to get into Travis's story. Touché. So I was going to be like, it doesn't get much more inspiring go. than that. Except we have Travis Steffen here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, dude. Like, cause it's, 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 uh, I agree. I think it's like, um, you know, going from, not having ever run before to actually like doing that and doing it in like in front of people. And like, that's fucking scary, man. Like that's a, it's like a, a real big deal. You've lost like almost like a hundred pounds. Getting there. That's like, that'd be, that's kind that's, of the next, I, I don't like really too much about the numbers, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm not far off the hundred pound weight loss, which is like, that's a number I'm aware of that I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And if that happens, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. So Dude, that's crazy. When you were first starting to run in that journey, were you self-conscious about what are people thinking of me as I, cause I feel like that's a big barrier for a lot of people. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, cause yeah, you just, you don't, you don't like to see, have other people see you struggle. And when you start running, you're going to struggle quite a bit. You're going to, like, redline your system and breathe hard and be loud and, like, <laughs> and just, like, run past, like, silent deer. <laughs> and they look like they're born to run. And, you know, I'm, I'm, like, really not built as a runner and no one is when they first start out. It's, like, definitely self-conscious about all that. But at some point, there's an aptitude that you gain. That's it. That's it. I mean, once you get have an aptitude for it and you can kind of, like, confidently say, I run two miles a day. Two miles is no big deal for me. Or three, and then eventually, if you start moving it up and just gain that confidence, that self-conscious nature of people seeing you running, you don't care. It's about being a fat guy running and people seeing you struggle, or seeing you like <laughs> seeing you start running and stop running within the same like block. That's an embarrassing thing. But you got to get through all that to get to the point where you can run long distances. So, what made you get through that though? Because a lot of people don't. A lot of people can't face that quote unquote embarrassment, I guess, uh, is what they're feeling. A lot of people can't face that. I don't know. I think like, um, you put blinders on, I guess, just don't really, you don't need, eventually though, you realize both like in a gym and exercising, people aren't really paying attention to you. They have no idea that you're even like running past. You're an afterthought. You don't really even. It's not even really on anyone's mind. That's like, true. As much as you think people might be like, looking at you, they're actually not. And more often than not, people are like, even if they see you struggling, the people are pretty friendly. And they're like, get them. Yeah, yeah. Man, give it hell. Like, they're actually encouraging about it. So uh, it's, a, it's an insecurity more than anything 
that isn't really founded in any truth. Yeah. Um, Dude, that's huge. So now are you going to sign up for like a billion more races? Yeah, I don't know what the next thing. I'm going to take some time off of running where I'm not. I don't know if half marathon is going to be the next thing. But at Travis says 50K level, in there the are desert. No, I know. <laughs> I want to become a little more well-rounded, though, and get, I want to, you know, I just extended a gym membership for the next four months and get a little more focused on, like, strength training. But I want to, like, be able to maintain, being able to be in, like, 10K shape is pretty nice. Like, that's a nice level that I would like to be at, to be able to maintain six and a half miles. I think cardio-wise, that'd be a good goal. And I haven't really defined the strength goal yet. I don't know if I'm going to define it by strength or flexibility or aesthetics or what. I know I have to have something that's a little more concrete rather than just, like, get in better shape. But I'm not quite sure what the strength goal is going to be, but it's going to be part of being more well-rounded. Because I'm – the training that we were doing for this, like – or the training I was doing for this is so cardio-focused that I neglected – the strength stuff, I just I try to get it in when I could. I'd like to be a little more balanced now, like, yeah. and then use that fitness towards races are definitely going to happen. Though since I've done a, a half marathon in the desert, like a half marathon and less, none of that seems intimidating to sign up for. The Travis the, Steffen mentality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Is it harder than the race I did before? Because if it's not, I don't want to do it. Yep. <laughs> so, so let's get into Travis's uh, Travis's quest a little bit. I mean, we kind of did talked a little bit about the end, but but man, I remember standing with you at the start line. Like you, there was some nervousness going on, and then he did something. That, oh yeah, you did something that made me laugh and smile and just be like, "This is just Travis Stefan in a nutshell." Do you remember? Um. Remind me. You're like, time to take off my pooping my pants face. And then you like, pretend to take your face off and put on my let's dominate this face. (laughs) And then you're good to go, man. All the nervousness was gone. Yeah, that's all I needed. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, like, I have no problem believing you did that. I have no problem believing and seeing you actually do that. It's one thing to like be self-deprecating and have fun and stuff like that. But like, there was never a doubt in my mind that I was going to finish the race. And it's like so much more difficult when you like talk about like how afraid you are in contrast to like saying, okay, now I'm in, you know, I'm in a different headspace where it's just like, I win at things. And that's just (laughs) who I am, you know? (laughs) It's like an over the top when he turns his hat, yes. baseball hat around and he gets real yes. serious. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> yes, an over the top, exactly like the arm wrestling movie. <clears throat> um, yeah, it was. I mean, honestly, like it was. I knew that I wanted. So the funny thing is, like, I was actually talking to some friends about this before the race. And because they were asking me why I was doing it and why I was doing it in the way that I was doing it, which was not training for it. And just being like, yeah, I'm going to go do this 50 mile race and um, like almost die. And then I'll, I'll be back. 
at work next week. And they're like, what? And like, I, I had a couple like these conversations with people. I had a conversation with like the girl that I'm dating who has like ex has experimented a few times with like psychedelics and talks about like the experience that she has in psychedelics and um, how it's like this very self-actualizing feeling. And I remember listening to it and hear and thinking like, Oh, well that's exactly what I've, what I got out of some of these like really hard events uh, that I've just not, that I've really struggled in. Um, and that's exactly what I started to chase then with this one, especially where I'm like, I want to be broken physically and I want to see if I can get to the point where I will break factually, really break mentally and like what that's like. And, um, even though getting through like 42 miles before my body really broke, I was still like mentally not broken until probably about 200 yards away where I could see the finish line. And I was like, there was about a 10 to 15 second period where I thought I was going to cry. And I was like, I was like, um, just really overwhelmed with the whole experience and I had seen it in my head like panning out exactly like it was gonna um, where it was just like I want to see if I can reach my real limits and and figure out what that's really like and um, and then see if I can figure out if that's a, an illusion still and then go further and um, it's pretty fascinating because I'll put it this way. Like if you train and you're ready for a race like that, it's a different experience. Cause I, I've, I have a feeling that like the training is probably harder in for many people than the event is. It's kind of like uh, when you take a fight and you're, everyone's like the hard parts over like the multiple days and weeks of, of getting beat on and, and uh, you know, Feel being in pain and stuff like that. That's all over, and now I just have to go out and execute. Yeah, and that's like not the experience that I wanted. I'm like, I don't need to just like go out and 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 do it. If I know I can do it, like, what is the point? I want to find out. Like, I want to find out where I like where my line is, you know. And then that was why I'm like, I've done that 150k. I don't, I don't ever have to do a 50k again now. Yeah. Now I've done this 50 miler. I never have to do a 50 miler again. Like there's only like what's next, you know, what's it's ne- <laughs> maybe, I mean, it's definitely, uh, it's going to be something, but it's just like, uh, you get a weird psychedelic effect. I mean, there's, there were a lot of parts of the race that were hard, but what is the, since you, you've had some experience now, like physically testing yourself to and trying to find these limits, right? I mean, you've <laughs> Ward has, we say talk you into it, but you, you know, jump at the chance to do these things, knowing that they're going to be super difficult. Like, what do you get other than the day of? Like, yeah. the day of, you get maybe a psychedelic experience, like you said, of this mm-hmm. survival instinct <laughs> mm-hmm. running on that level. But, like, do you have – is there effects of being in that place, like, mm-hmm. weeks and months later? 
Yeah, and also like uh, beforehand, like when you start to talk about it, I think what happens is you start to build a little bit of a, a reputation for, I mean, I, I've, I've kind of self-created this persona of just being like the driver of the hardcore bus, so to speak, in my company and with like my friends and they um, all see me as like this like weird, um, almost like cartoonish archetype of that sort of character and it almost reinforces me to try to live up to that and live up to those like standards every day which is exactly what i want and um and then the day of obviously you get a lot from it where but i would i would kind of argue that you get less from it the day of and more from it like before and after especially after than even the day of like the day of is great because you can really like actually go through and experience the experience. I mean, the first like 40 miles, they were fine. Like it was honestly just getting to the point where you're on the verge of breaking, which was really the point of the first 40 miles. Cause I, I just was can not you, even there in my head. I was like listening to comedy podcasts and. I was going to say, can you miss Richard Simmons? Like, <laughs> yep. Missing Richard Simmons. Can I pinpoint what? <laughs> The, well, <laughs> the exact moment where you're like, I don't know, is there an exact moment where you go, okay, here we are. Yeah, I <laughs> here we are, uncharted territory. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember at mile, probably, it was probably about mile 38 where I thought I was like steps away from the aid station. Every single like 100 or 150 yards, I'm like, it has to be just over this next hill. has to be. Where is this thing? Like, Dude. it has to be here. Same yeah. exact experience for me. And it's funny because yeah. you're talking about like if you train for it, you don't know if you'd reach that point. But I honestly felt like I reached that point because none of my training runs were over 30 miles. True. You know, and um, you and you exerted yourself like pace wise oh, far more than true. I obviously yeah. did. So you got yourself there. So you I know? reached it the exact same spot, man, where it's just, yeah. you are, I'm out of water. I'm out of food. My, all of my legs are cramping up and I'm like, where's the aid station? Like I keep thinking it's going to be around yeah. the corner. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and it just, it took forever to actually, and then there was like this big other hill and, and then another hill. And I'm like, what is going on here? And finally, finally, I see this guy with a horse. There's always a guy with a horse for yep. some reason. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's like 500 yards. I'm like, oh, my God, finally. And uh, and I get there, and there's some other guy that had finished that's there that he went to come back and pick up his bag at that aid station. And it's, like, starting to get – it's, like, duskish. It's, like, probably 530 or so. That, and, that um, aid station puts you how far away from the finish? Nine and a half miles. Um, Okay. And so I'm like, okay, I'm under 10 miles. Piece of cake. But I also knew that the last (laughs) aid station was like seven miles. Like it, and that seven miles was the longest seven miles of the race. That was that section right there was the moment for me of the whole entire race where like I was going through stuff. I was by myself. I was. You know, that was the moment where I was like this, like you're saying, like a psychedelic experience. And I didn't yeah. mention that yesterday when we were talking about it, but that's a good summer. That's a good way to summarize that. Yeah, it, it really is like just emotional roller coaster kind of like up and down. Um, 
And that last, when, when that guy basically said, oh, it's, you know, you'll do it in about two and a half hours, and there's a lot of sand. He just some guy, like, just some guy next to me. I'm like, oh, God. <clears throat> okay. But then I started running, and about a half a mile or a mile in, I couldn't hold it anymore. I had to take a dump. <laughs> and that was my that was my first dump of the race. And that, like, I basically had to run, to divert myself off of the course, find, like, a tree of some type that could at least block me from, like, the path. The crazy part and, about doing it in the desert, you know? There's no tree coverage. Yeah. Yeah. So no. I, I thankfully, Brady had given me some, like, wet wipes. And I... Genius. I, Boy Scout right here. <laughs> took my pack off, and I, like, tried to kind of squat. But I was so brittle at that point that I could only barely do it. So I, like, leaned over a little bit. And just like sprayed this tree with poop, <laughs> and like, like it was so. And, and like I and I tried my best to just like clean up and stuff like that, but I'm just like, dude, this is my lowest moment so far because <laughs> I'm standing there and I'm sweating and I'm just like, I my butt is facing the trail. It's not facing away from the trail. It's facing the trail. Like, I don't know, I, don't, I wasn't really thinking at that point, but, like, I don't think anybody could see me because they were all just, like, heads down and running, and, um, but it was, like, they, like, they looked up for one they second. They probably didn't care at all, dude. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and unlike Chris, who, like, talks to people, Chris, like, talks to people during the race and stuff like that, has conversations, I don't talk to anybody during the race. I'm like, no, this is for me. Um, <clears throat> like, I want all this pain. This is, I earned all of it, and, um. And uh, then were you wait, hold on, got, were you trying to play yourself off as a mirage? <laughs> I mean, like, I just did, I like I was facing like I was had my butt facing towards the trail because I didn't want anybody to see my face. That's <laughs> like that's that guy that went poop, dude. You're like a six. <laughs> you're like six two, just like two hundred and like. <laughs> Five pounds of pure muscle covered in tattoos. Like, they're going to recognize. <laughs> you've you've got true. a mane like a lion and That's a perfectly true. quaffed mane. And a giant yeah. beard. It's, thank like, you. They're going to recognize you. <laughs> a giant beard. Uh, they, they're going to oh, recognize no. me as the guy that went poop. They might <laughs> notice me. <laughs> well, that was the thought that was going through my head at the time. All right. And, and I went back on the trail and I got going. And then, like, God, I mean, up, I was trying. Yep. Hold up. Like, cause I know where you're, I think you're going next. I just want to, like, we jump back in the, the chronology to when we saw you at the aid station. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was at just that was real about quick. 26 and a half, 27 miles in. And what decision you're, did you, you make there? You just finished a, a marathon. Oh, I see where you're going with this. So, yeah, yeah I just I, want to point this part I of the story, I think. Just gotten done with both loops. So, the way the course went, it was like a, a, a like a, you went down this pink route for yeah, 11 miles or so. Yeah. And then you did like a 10 mile loop and another 10 mile loop, like on a blue loop and then a green loop. And the green loop was like my favorite, like Zen ish part of the race. And um, we get 
we got, got done, done with, with it. You were in such, you're in great spirits. You were, you were in, yeah. Yeah. Like you were money after 26 and a half miles. I was like, you were, you look freshly dated. Was. You're good. I was good. I was good. I, it was a piece of cake. And I was like, it's hot out here. And I'm like, I think I would move faster if I just ditched a little bit of this stuff on my bag. And that included my gloves that I borrowed from you and my coat um, that I wore for the first I, like I five said, miles. I feel so stupid. I should have like been, I said it. I was like, you know, it's going to get dark, man. Are you sure? You go, yeah, I'll run faster without it. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I let you do whatever so you wanted to do. Like uh, I was so convinced I really that I would I be done. I had seen the air about that choice, but well, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad that it didn't go down like that, though, because like it got me further, close, like closer to the edge. So it was like yeah, enhanced that's, my experience. That's the goal you had. Yeah. Oh so, gosh. so like it was like. Um, so, skip so back I, to the story. We're skip back. Poop. We spray the tree. <laughs> yeah, spray the tree. Yelling that he's a massage. A turkey sandwich. Or a mirage. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look yeah, at a me. Mirage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, there's this, and there's this guy. It was starting to get cold. It was The sun was starting to go down, but it wasn't down yet. But there's this guy that ran by. He's like, hey, man, do you want like a, like one of these? I have like one of those like astronaut blankets. Do you want it? I'm like, no, like I'm not soft. And like, I just like look at the guy like he's just a dick. And I'm so, I'm mad at this point. Like I actually recorded a video right beforehand of me like cursing out the camera. Can I? And just being like. I saw that, man. You, you, yeah. you, were, you were driving off some anger right there. I was. Can I tell you something that I did with that video just for my own entertainment? Yes. I was messing around yes. on iMovie and I yeah. got to that video because I was like, oh man, I should probably like. You know, bleep some of these f bombs or something, and <laughs> and so as I was looking for uh, sound effects, I found um, sitcom laughter, and so <laughs> after I did this, I spent a good hour and a half, basically taking two video <laughs> clips, and I called it Travis Steffen's darkest moments, as if they were in a sitcom, and it's basically. A, as soon as you say something, you're like, my knees hurt. And then it's like, <laughs> and after I made it, after I made it, I'm like, oh, he might not think this is funny. Because I was going to send it yeah, to you guys. It and sounds I'm like, like you're mocking him in your free time. Dude, I no, know. that's perfect. Okay, because I was like, he went through some stuff. Like, I don't even know yeah, but- what he went through. But you know me enough to know that I like I would never take offense to anything. I'm la- I'm no. just want to laugh at myself and stuff like that. No, that's dope. I want to see. Hey, it. Chris, I'm mad at the sound effects joke you just made about me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think I was say that. So, <laughs> and I want to see this video that you made, by the way. Um, so I and I just made a video like right before that. That was just you were basically angry like, and I was. I was in like full. I always like remember this this title of this Nicolas Cage movie that was apparently so bad that I never saw. And the title of the movie was called Drive Angry, <laughs> and like that's like the mentality that I sometimes just bring to like my work day or or like the, that part of the race. I'm just like drive angry, and like <laughs> and like it means nothing, but it's just. Uh, like that was where I was. I was in full on drive angry mode, and um, and I was like cursing. I was like, I'm gonna pass that mother. After that, I'm gonna pass some other. Like just talking to the phone, 
with nobody around. And then maybe five minutes later, some guy that I had been like passing and he was passing me and I was passing him for the last, like the last stretch before the aid station was like, do you want like this astronaut blanket? I brought this thing and he had a coat on and like a vest and all sorts of other shit. And I just like look at him, and in hindsight, he was just trying to be a nice guy. But the headspace I was in at the time, like I was so excited to go through some shit that I was like, "Fuck you, man! Like you're rob, you're trying to rob me of my pain. Like this is what I've been chasing." And but and uh, did you say that out loud, or is that in your head? Because I know you. It was in my head. Yeah. It was in my head. It was in my head. But I, like, kind of looked at him funny. I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, kind of pretending as if I wasn't cold. I'm like, I'm good, man. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> He's like, didn't I just like, see you pooping? <laughs> 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 That's that guy that pooped. <laughs> um, oh so, so, like, Chris and I are, are I, think, I don't even, maybe we're way off here, but, like, we decided to go out to the finish line much early, like, I don't know. 7.30 at night? We like didn't that. want there to be, like, even a chance that we missed you. Right. But it, while we're there, the wind is steadily picking up. And when Chris crossed the finish line, it was windy as hell. It was yeah. just it was picking up. It was getting colder. It was getting darker. And, like, it, it wasn't until it was, like, pitch black later and super cold that it actually started, like, to rain. Mm. But... Oh, that was how how close to like, are now? I, it was just standing on the finish line, and we're just we're trying to be by fires if we can. We're trying to like mm-hmm. cover our, up if we can, but yep. you were completely exposed from the direction that it's coming. I think yep. like how bad yep. was it out there? It was bad. Well, it was. Uh, I mean, I think I was about forty five miles before it got like all the way dark. And then that's when I had to take off my, like I was jogging while I got the headlamp out. Um, but thankfully I borrowed that from Chris cause that would have been rough. Otherwise I wouldn't have been able to spot the, the pink ribbons. I, I mean, I, I would have been able to use the, like the flashlight of my phone. That, so that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But I know, but, it but like been just the amount of stuff you showed up to this 50 miler with almost nothing. You bought yeah. the, your, your, your camel back there. <laughs> like, yeah. The guy was very alarmed oh. when you bought the Camelback, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Like, I mean, he was like, know, "What I, race are you doing?" And you're like, 50 miles." And he was like, "Tomorrow?" And I said, like, "I said 50." He's like, "50k?" And I'm like, "No." No. You know, in his miles. head, he's like, "This is a bad idea to like buy equipment the day before." <laughs> he's like, "Have you ever run with a vest before?" I'm like. Well, yeah, but usually my vest has like 50 pounds of weights on it, and and so I mean, he's like, "Oh, you'll you'll be you'll be all right, you'll be fine," and it ended up being fun, like perfectly fine. But uh, um, no, it was. But when it got dark, though, I will say that like uh, there was a little twinge of fear for a couple miles because there was nobody else around me, and then I like from the le- I was like. To the left of me was a big rock face. It was the last yeah. big rock face I remember, like seeing it on the map. Um, at one point, and and I'm like, I know that the the finish line is somewhere around here. And uh, but I heard I was like freezing cold at that point. But I was also like in the headspace of just like I'm shutting that off. I know that I'm gonna pay for this after I finish, but I'm shutting that off now. Um, kind of like if you're, if you've ever gotten a tattoo 
you kind of like you, you feel the pain for a little while and then you shut it off in your head because it's the same pain that you've been feeling. And then when it's done and you're like, you get yourself out of that mode, it turns it kind of turns back on again. You're like, oh, that hurt like shit. But, you know, so you turn it off. You're, you're moving around and you turn it off. But I'm like, I'm pretty darn cold and I'm moving. I'm like, shit, like, where is this thing? Like, I, I need to, I need to finish. I, um, Do you have any like mantras or anything that like, anything that was on repeat in your own head? Uh, like just, drive like, angry. Just keep moving sure. or like, I don't even know. What? Drive, drive angry definitely was. And I just kept like, uh, there was like weird things going through my head. Like I would see, when I would see people in front of me, I would go Mortal Kombat like Shang Tsung, and I would just be like, "Your soul is mine," like, <laughs> and I would just like, I would like just like look in their direction, just like with this like sinister supervillain look, like and just like um, amping myself up, you know, uh, and uh, you know, like it was never, it was never ever anything like. I can do this, you know. Oh, come on! It was I was past that. I knew, I knew that, and it was more just like um, I have to focus on why I'm here, which is you learn, you learn about yourself more in an experience like that where you're on the edge of something, and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. But like that's where when people talk about like finding yourself that's what it is for me that's like one of the things for example when i went to the go ruck years ago and talked to the guy before the race it was like what is like what tell me about the go ruck he's like we're gonna teach you about leadership teamwork and and he looks at me he's like and we're gonna help you find yourself and i'm like oh shit what does that mean you know and then like it was it was like a i mean it was like a 14 hour challenge where you you're taken to the limit mentally, like physically and mentally. And I, after that, you kind of always kind of weirdly look for that return to brutality in a weird way. Um, and you just get to this place where you learn for yourself who you are, like what kind of person you really are. And you figure out how much you've grown and what your own capacity to achieve actually is uh when it's just you versus you because nobody nobody cares nobody knows your name that is there except for your friends or maybe your family like you're not getting paid you're not on tv um if you quit nobody cares if you finish nobody cares like you get a bottle full of sand like who cares the the only reason you're there is for you and so i'm like the the i want to learn about myself here and um and i know but but i tell you what when i i looked to my left at that moment and i could hear just like a downpour hitting the rock face (laughs) and i my eyes get wide in the dark and I'm like, oh no. oh, no. And I just, like, start booking it. Like, I doubled my pace. It was, I couldn't call it a run, really, but it wasn't a walk. It was like a... No, like a, it's everything you it had. Was, yeah. yeah, it was something. And I kept going at that pace until maybe, like, um, a tenth of a mile left. 
when I got almost in the, into the parking lot by the cabins. And then I walked for a little while and then was able to kind of run a little bit over, over the finish line. But um, there were, ended up being like maybe seven or eight people behind me. And they were just talk like just like everybody else in the race that I was around that I could hear at any point. They were just like talking about what hurts, talking about the pain they're in, and how hard these little stretches of shit were. And that's why I didn't talk to a lot of people during the race because the people up by Chris, they're legit high performers. They don't talk about stuff like that. The people that were back by me, you know, they're probably people that trained hard to be back by me, and and like they're not in a mental place where they're. They can like, you know, they bond by talking about that together. And I'm like, I don't want to be there with you. Like, I, that's not what I get yeah, out of this thing. Like, they, I'm here on a bond around mutual suffering at that point. Yeah. Sharing of pain, like sharing yeah. how much something hurts. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I didn't want that. And so I just like led them for quite a while. And then when we got to the parking lot, I started to walk and I let them pass. Um, and, uh, Let's see. Were you shivering at all? Yeah. I mean, were you, no. Or do you, I was you, you, too. you turned it, you turned it off. I turned it so off. Like, are you, yep. are you involuntarily shaking? No, not at that point. Not until I crossed the finish line. Uh, I, 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 I like it was, I passed, um, I passed our cabin and I looked at the finish line and that's when I like, I was just like punched in the face with like, kind of like an emotion but I'm like, yeah, I, I am going to live. That pavement, hitting that you pavement know? was an emotional experience. Like, yeah. To not be in sand, to be in pavement, to see the finish line, to see the cabin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to live, um, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, I'm going to be fine. And I knew I was, I knew I would the whole time, but it was like, um, like when you see it, and you're like, this is over after like 14 hours of just like hardcore pain. Um, it, it's, it was something, you know, it was, just, it was kind of something to be like, I, I got myself there exclusively in my, you know, out of just sheer stubborn force of will. And so I know that I can reapply that, that sheer force of will to anywhere in my life. Anytime I want, it's there. I know that I've got that gear. Um, but then when I crossed the finish line and I turned, like, I was able to, like, but you lose your ability to shut that stuff off anymore. Like it comes, it comes and hits you. Cause you don't have a goal and anymore. Suddenly, you don't have a yeah. goal to go towards anymore. Yeah. I can feel the pain now. <laughs> I can feel the cold now. I can feel like yep. the emotion now. I'm like, I start to shiver. I start to ache and hurt. And, um, I'm like, just get me home. I need to get in a shower. I need to poop again and like get me into a bed or I, I tried to eat some food. Um, but like, we threw, a, we threw a blanket over you as soon as you crossed the finish line. Which like, is so, so, so helpful. That like, was so helpful. Threw a hat on you. <laughs> I do like yeah. one of the, as you cross one, the side of you crossing is, uh, I, I don't even know if the video does it justice, it but like oh, the Terminator coming down the dark alley, but oh, uh, <laughs> but when you cross at some point, we got you like there's some stuff on you. And Chris goes, "Do you want aid over there, or there's your reward?" And you go, "Give me that reward." <laughs> 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 he was just like, he 
you go there, Travis Stephan, to hand you a bottle full of sand, which apparently pissed off Chris. <laughs> like, yeah. At the moment, I was yeah. just like, I have so much sand in my shoes right now. I mean, it's yeah. a cool. Now yeah. it's cool. Now that's sitting on my, on my thing in the living room, it's really cool. But at the moment, I'm yeah. like, I have so much sand in my shoes. I don't want more sand. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Well, and you know what though, like, and you guys were awesome after the race. Like, you guys were great. Um, you know, kind of getting your your child out of the bathroom for me so I could use the bathroom. Like, <laughs> that was, like, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> like, oh, that was crazy. And then you were just, like, like super good about, just like, do you, what do you need? Do you have, you have food? Do you have, like, are you warm enough? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, so that was super helpful. So I appreciate that a lot. And, well, and um I wish the one, I wish I would have taken a picture of you sitting in the cabin afterwards. Just no, just know, exactly. leaned over. Yes. Yeah, hair just hanging in front of your face, soaking wet. <laughs> just look like a monster, man. It was Wolverine, cool. man. You look like Wolverine. It was. I've just like uh, I haven't seen a person in that state like. <laughs> like rabbit animals. It was crazy. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, eventually, oh all wrapped up in a blanket and sweat. Yeah, and I was gonna say, like, at coughing. That point, <laughs> like, you look like Wolverine. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Yeah, feeble, but like in I that felt moment, like a slug. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> you know, I tell you what, though, like you, you the couple days after. I felt were probably and still like probably this whole week will be a very profound self-reflection period um, where you've just come off of something that was like something that really tested you. And it really reminds you of um, some of the things that you that are truly important to you, some of the lies that you've been telling yourself to salvage your own self-esteem in certain ways, uh, some of the things that you might regret, you have been regretting not doing, and um, things that you would change in life. And so far, like I feel like I've done a lot of those things that I told myself that I would. Um, like I, I, I'm dating this girl. I've been dating her very briefly, uh, dropped the L bomb, which was great. I, Cause I told myself, I was like, I would, if I die, if I died, I would regret not saying it at some point, you know, like, and so I did. And that was, that's good. Uh, that went well. And, um, you know, I think professionally, I think, uh, I, I threw a lot on my back beforehand, but I think, you know, I, I want to embody a lot more of my own and the company's core values in what I do. I think that's something that I regretted not taking on, um, which I think I can change a lot of my managerial styles. I think I also like, there are just things that I know that I can be better at. Um, and I think there are like relationships that I can be more attentive to uh, that you just, it's a reminder in that moment because things like shit happens in your life and you get busy and other people get busy and you wake up at one point five ten years later and you're like wow i haven't talked to so-and-so or i haven't done this or i haven't done that or i haven't been like this and i regret it and uh there's nothing that i've experienced that 
is the a catalyst more than something that's that takes you near death like any of those experiences that i've had that do well and even just i mean you're on a course for hours at a time the only thing on the to-do list is keep going forward that's it it clears all that space from your mind clears all of your thoughts you know you can actually start having some of those deep reflections which i mean dude everything you just said same exact boat. This week has been just like unbelievable so far and spending the mornings kind of writing down my reflections from when I hit that dark moment and what realizations like came in, came into, into my head, you know, it's, it's powerful stuff. Yes, dude. And I got to tell you, like this is something I started doing immediately after the race. There's this book, um, called 59 Travis, seconds Travis Stephan book club. Um, hold on, there it is. we're starting that by the way. I don't know if you heard the episode I just released, but <laughs> I, I, I just started listening to it a little bit on the way home from work today. <laughs> we're going to knock Oprah off of, the, uh, off of the, the like King of the Hill, you know, we're going to knock her off of the Hill. Nice. What are the first two? Jocko Willens extreme ownership. Extreme and ownership. Then, oh, oh, yeah. That one's great. And then the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. Daily Stoic Daily is good. Stoic. Yep. And then what's good. this next one? So I'm I'm reading one right now that's really good called Stealing Fire. That's another one that's really good that, that I, but I haven't gotten through it yet, so I don't want to endorse it too much. But uh, the one that I'm talking about right now is called 59 Seconds, and like basically the book is by like um, it's about changing core habits to take you forward in so many different ways in 59 seconds today. Um, and that's selling it short. It's, it's over on the other side of my couch and I'm kind of just too lazy right now to reach over and grab it and read you the synopsis. But anyway, the book's called 59 seconds. And in the first chapter, I do this like gratitude journal that I talked about on a previous podcast and I changed it because of what was in this book after the race I thought that these things have been such a catalyst in my little like self-reflection actualization post-race. Um, and the, it's basically like I changed uh, six of my eight questions that I would normally ask every day. First one is, what are the three things I'm grateful for this morning? I'll do this like right away when I wake up. What are the three things I'm grateful for this morning, which I've done, and it's still great. Uh, the next one that I've, that I've done, and I still do, is what am I accepting from the universe? today like what am i accepting that is going to manifest its way into my reality today those i've done the new ones are um the next four and the new ones are uh the first one is describe one of the most wonderful experiences you've had in your life and how it felt and like verbalizing like how it felt and and what that experience was and kind of reliving that for for just a moment um, the next one is describe your reality in the future after you've reached all of your goals and dreams and you've become who you've always wanted to become. So essentially the same type of thing, but now you're reaching into the future and you're doing the same sort of descriptor. And then the next one is you ha- this is like a hypothetical scenario. You have one chance to tell somebody in your life how important they are to you, how much you care for them. And the impact they've had on you, what will you say? And you say this to yourself essentially as if you're talking to them. And then lastly, 
what are three things that have gone really well for you at, over the last seven days, and why did they, te- they did each of them turn out so well? And then I have a few more of like, what's my affirmation for the day, and what's one negative thought that I've been having, and why is it actually a positive? Uh, but those four in the middle there, like, have been super. I, I would say like they've just kind of reached into me a little bit more, um, and helped me find. Uh, a like jumping off point for, you know, just that self discovery that come that came after an experience like this. Yeah, man. Travis Stephan wow. book club stamp of approval. <laughs> I've got to say, after Chris, after talking to you yesterday about your race experience, hearing about Travis's race experience, like anyone that listens to those two stories, like the, one of the overarching themes of this insane physical physical, physical, physical thing is all the mental work that you guys both, you guys both spent more time talking about all the mental work that's done on a race like this than even really the, the physicality of it. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, yeah. the mental stuff is the biggest, the biggest challenge, the biggest hurdles. Yeah. Can you overcome, you know, cause pain is pain. Uh, you, do you expect that going in? And I guess you expect mm. some mental anguish too going in, but like, it's something you're not necessarily used to because like Travis says, you don't necessarily give yourself time in the day to consider a lot of like to put yourself into that state of mind. Yeah. And it's hard to re- I mean, you can't get there. You can't get in that mental state in your day to day. It's just impossible to access until. Well, I you... guess it only takes 14 hours. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this time, this time, like I got there <laughs> yeah. earlier last time in that last ultra well and uh, so but then yeah that's the point i kind of want to make is if you're out there listening to this and you know this sounds like something you want to go through which in my opinion it's so beneficial um that you should want to go through it sign up for something that's that challenges you anything like if a 10k challenges you go for it man if a stage race challenges you try that if you know a bike ride or jujitsu or you know whatever just find something that's gonna i said yesterday i said scare you a little bit which i think is a little bit important but some somewhere where you're gonna at least have access to to just a new state of mind if it doesn't scare you i think it's not worth doing at all because like if, if it doesn't scare you if it does scare you and you go through and you do it and you come out the other side, like that actually does something for you. But if you just like, if you know that you can do it in advance and you just go do it, like what are you proving to yourself? So like, I think that scary part is super important. And the, the mental and emotional benefits you get just so far outweigh the physical discomfort that you were in for a little while. So mm-hmm. now Brady, have we sold you on a 50 K? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, keep keep working on it. We'll keep working. <laughs> we'll keep working, man. But, dude, thank you guys so much. I mean, both you guys, it just blew my mind. I don't think I'll ever. Dude, thank you, man. It was one. It was a trip that I will remember for the rest of my life, hands down, uh, for multiple dude, reasons. I, I wouldn't do any of this shit if it wasn't for you being a crazy person, man. You know. Were you now? Were you ever cursing me? Because I did have that theory. No, like, no, okay. no, not at all. <laughs> That's the sign of no, friendship. No, not at all. I, 
I cursed you the day I signed up. If you recall, <laughs> if you recall, like I was like, God, like, like uh, I'll, I'll do this 50 miler, like, and then, but I'm like, oh God, man, like a 50 miler, like this is gonna suck. Oh God, thank you for even putting this in my head. And then finally I signed up. And then since then, you know, it's definitely been something I've been looking forward to. Uh, for a long time because I knew I knew in advance where it would put me mentally or like at least the general zone yeah. where it would put me mentally like it does something to you I can't explain it you can't get it on I've, I've not done a tremendous amount of drugs but I cannot imagine that any drug can put you in that same place no me neither either so uh yeah man and i also want to just kind of give a big shout out to a couple of people i mean brady first of all you ran a whole entire race uh the longest you've ever ran in your life and then you crewed us which was super amazing and awesome and that's fun yeah dude yeah it was a good time driving around and then of course my lovely wife Lindsay, for just being you know so supportive through the whole entire i mean the training is something we don't even talk about, but that's hundreds of miles right there. Um, and you know, dude, just making the weekend so great. I mean, so special. Uh, best banana bread ever. Best banana bread oh, of all time. So good. And then, of course, like my aunt, my aunt Marilyn, Uncle Joel showing up and uh, crewing too, giving us some ginger ale, like saved my life. So <laughs> I still, I gotta, I, I gotta say, I told my mom. Like, uh, I think it was like a year-ish ago. Um, she called me out, and I, I, I told her I would never drink soda again. So she called me out, and she's like, you're drinking so much soda. You're drinking so much. Because I was like, it, diet soda I could have it on my bodybuilding diet. It's like the one thing that I could have. She's like, you're drinking so much. I'm like, you, Mom, I can quit anytime I want. She's like, no, you couldn't. No way you I'm said like, that I'm to your mom. I'm going to quit right now no way you for said the that rest of my life. Oh, hell yeah. We talk to each other like that. We talk shit to each other like that sometimes. But like, I was like, whatever. I'll quit right now forever. And she's like, you could never do that. And I'm like, Ma? Ma? Why I oughta? <laughs> and when I got across the finish line, some lady came over and was like, good job. You did such a good job. Here, here's a Coca-Cola. Oh, right. Opens it for me, puts it in my hand, and I'm holding it. And I'm like, I can't. Oh, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> and so I put it down on the table, and I didn't drink it. And I'm so happy about that. It's true. I watched you do that. I was like, I can't believe he just – because you, you mentioned that you were not going to have any soda. And after yep. 50 miles of running, someone just – She's like, have some hand. sugar. I'm like – your sugar. <laughs> I can't disappoint my mom. <laughs> Dude, your mom probably I don't know if your mom's a fan of me getting you to sign up. She's she's desensitized to the shit that I do at this point though. Like she when I was fighting, she oh, that's since true. I was 12. Since I was 12 years old, she went to every fight, sat in the audience and cried. Dude, like, I remember at every fight. the fight where you went three rounds and the guy was just throwing haymakers and you decided haymakers. not to put your hands up anymore. I so, couldn't. I couldn't. I just remember <laughs> I looking couldn't. at your mom, just head in your dad's shoulders, eyes closed, 
just across the they were across the ring from us. Well, but I still won that fight and uh, got two black eyes. You couldn't lift your head for like two hours. Uh, Couldn't lift my head. Couldn't lift my hands for the last two rounds of the fight, so that that was was helpful. That was smooth. Anyway, she's desensitized now to all the shit that I do, and she's going to be more desensitized because in May I have that Seven Summits training course thing at Mount Mount Hood. I don't remember what mountain it is, Is but that's the first... It's in Washington. Okay, so Mount it something. Mount Hood. I don't know. Mount Rainier? No, it's not Mount Rainier. It's something else. Mount, okay. I don't know, something. It's a mountain of sorts. Anyway, got it. Yeah, and, yeah it's a mountain. And then we're, we're, like, camping on the, there's apparently, like, a glacier of some type, or I'm told of Dude, that something so that cool. may emulate a glacier that we're camping on. I'm not really looking forward to it, I got to say. I'm not looking forward to it. I, I know that I have to do it and I should do it. And it's going to like give me so much growth and I'm going to learn a lot, but I'm not looking for, I really don't enjoy camping. I really don't like it. I don't like the outdoors. I make him I love camp to be inside all the time clean <laughs> and just like <laughs> in clean clothes and relaxing. But I also love doing shit that I hate. So there's so that. you love camping is what you're saying. I like hate love camping. So next time you come out, we're going camping because my I, my my, <laughs> my only that summer whole, goal. That last like 45 seconds summarizes your guys' friendship right there. <laughs> my my Savage summer goes on this well articulated thing. I hate camping. If you go next time you're coming out, we're going camping. <laughs> And he goes, okay. <laughs> I mean, oh, my, my summer goal is to camp once a week. Uh, for, oh, what? For the whole summer. <laughs> Why? There's so many cool places down there, man. It's fun. You get marshmallows so and you buy a campfire and you're in a pretty it's area. so uncomfortable. Like it rains sometimes and there's like, ah. And it, like well, my bed is so awesome. It's so dope. I have a king size bed and it rocks. <laughs> yeah, but I can plan it around when it's gonna rain. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna go out there, Travis oh, Stefan style, man. in the pouring down rain just to do it. We did go camping above treeline on a, on Mount Elbert, and oh, it, Mount it rained on us. It did rain. Mount Massive for like five minutes, and I we didn't, remember thinking we didn't have a tent. We didn't have a tent. We, we just, just were sleeping on the ground. Yeah, and I remember thinking like, this is gonna be a long night if it actually starts raining. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But uh, all right, Brady, anything else to add, my man? No, man. I think I was looking on that ultrasignup.com and like I think there's a 15k or uh I don't even know. I think it's a 15k in Libertyville. I think that's maybe the next thing I'll I'll the run I'll try to do. Get a man um, when 15k. 15k. Yeah, what is that? Oh, what? Dude, no. you've already done more than 9 miles. What's the point? <laughs> I'm not trying to find the deepest, darkest the, depths of my. The next soul. step. Go get, a, next, go get a run. Go get a run in. The next gear, I'll man. <laughs> the marathon. Marathon is the next one. Marathon has to be the next one. Like a road marathon. But zero training like, between now and and the marathon is what you're saying. Dude, I'm telling you, what if you do that? <sighs> I'll be in a lot of pain. You got it, man. You'd be able to do it. Uh, <laughs> all right, Brady. Well, good luck with that. Travis Stefan, what a 
What anything else to add? Uh, well, I just want to say thanks. Drive to you guys. angry, uh, dude. I love it, man. Drive angry. I love it. <laughs> Your soul is mine, Travis. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's honestly. And there was one other thing that went through my head a bunch of times. <laughs> um, this is gonna be embarrassing. Well, it's not really embarrassing. You'll expect this from me. Um, one of the things that went through my head every time I was about to pass somebody. You remember the pro wrestling character Jeff Jarrett? Yep. Yeah. And how his thing was he smashed guitars over everybody. I had a vision every time I was going to pass somebody of like just running up behind him with a guitar and a full swing and smashing it over him. (laughs) And that was like went went through my head every single time I passed somebody. It was like a guitar smash. So that's why that's the last thing I wanted to add. <laughs> you were on the brink of insanity. Dude. Yeah, you should be a therapist. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. That kind of puts a nice little bow on our Monument Valley Ultra race experience. Um, I would highly recommend checking out the Ultra Adventures website, which is www.grandcircletrails.com. Com. I'm going to tell you, I'm definitely signing up for more of their events in the future. Uh, they have the Antelope Canyon race, Monument Valley, Zion, Grand Canyon, Bryce Canyon, and something I'm going to pronounce wrong, two, Tushers? <laughs> I don't know. All of them are in Utah, Arizona area. All the races look unbelievably beautiful. So these are de- this is definitely a race series that I'm going to keep in mind when I'm looking for future events to sign up for. Um, And as for me, that kind of was my big event of the year. And now I'm going to take, I just took this whole week of rest and recovery. I did some light stretching, some really easy riding the exercise bike, uh, some yoga, And honestly, I'm going to take a whole month off of running and kind of explore some other areas of movement and exercise and kind of change my focus for a little bit to see if, you know, any of these other areas spark passion in me. So like swimming, um, riding the bike, trying out some other maybe exercise classes or, or things like that. So I'll keep you guys updated. I'll let you know how it goes. And then, you know, in a month or so, I'll be getting a little bit antsy and I'll be looking for other other big races of sorts to sign up for in the future. I'm really on the lookout for a really good adventure race, which is kind of a combination of mountain biking, hiking, orienteering. Uh, some of them even have like rappelling and rafting or canoeing. So those events are honestly my favorite. You get a team together and you go and do those but they're kind of the a rare commodity. They're not all the time. They're not every weekend. Um, so yeah, if you know of any adventure race series, let me know. Shoot me an email, uh, likeabigfoot at gmail.com or you know, leave us a message on our Facebook group or, or anything like that. For the rest of our episodes, you can subscribe to iTunes. And if you would like to leave us a little review, that helps us out and kind of gets more ears on the podcast, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Uh, Or, you know, share on all the fun social media stuff or just share 
in the ancient way, which is just telling someone about it. That would be great. We'd be very grateful, very appreciative. And thanks one more time to Travis Steffen and Brady Manriquez for joining me, sharing their stories. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I learn something new about Travis every time I talk to him. (laughs) And I talk to him quite often. And it's just so funny how much of his experience and psyche was different than mine. But also there were moments where when he was describing what he went through, I was relating to not only the same exact feelings, but the same exact period of the race. So it's just funny, you know, all these things are such an individualized experience, but there's shared feelings or shared growth that everybody kind of experiences together. That being said, I'm pretty sure Travis Steffen was the only person imagining bashing people in the head with a guitar as he bashed them <laughs> and using a crappy Nick Cage film as his uh, mantra. He might be the only person ever in the existence of endurance races to use the name of a Nick Cage film to drive him forward. Anyways, we'll get back to you next week, um, lining up guests for the probably the next month or so, and I'm very, very excited to share with you the stories of our upcoming guests. They're going to be about mountains and obstacle races, and you know, hopefully I'm working on getting a couple authors of the books, some books I've read in, so yeah, should be good. Keep tuning back in, and we'll uh, keep posting these every week. All right, see you guys.